Cue the jingle bells. Shing, 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 shing. You mean this or do you mean an actual Why are we at a... Are we at the Rockford Casino? No, that that's more of a... I think you got to combine them together. All right, do do that one and I'll do the jingle bells. All right. Shing, 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 shing. No, you do the other one. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The man of a thousand voices. Why are we doing this, Truman? Why? 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 Uh, get us into this episode. <laughs> I asked, "Did you have an intro?" And you said, "Yes, I've got a really funny one." Uh, although last week I opened with Noam Chomsky, so who really knows? I want to know. <laughs> I think I think you can tell a lot about a person and their upbringing by asking them what was their relationship to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh boy, when they were growing we're going up, there right out the gate. We're, we're, listen. The time for bullshit is over. You're listening to grunt work. <laughs> we we cut right to the heart of the matter. And in an hour when we start talking about the movie that this episode is named for, you'll see it. <laughs> okay. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. What about it? What's what, my... Uh... What was your relation to it growing up? How do you feel about it now? Mm-hmm. Uh, d- different. I'm starting with the second <laughs> question first. I feel different <laughs> about it now than I did growing up. Um... I I did grow up with it. I saw mm-hmm. it in the theater uh, wow. when it was first released. Wow! Um, it You're was front definitely lines. like shown on HBO uh, or you know some channels uh, during the holidays. So we would always rewatch it uh, whenever it came on. Uh, we were we uh, let's put it this way: I was much more a um, Christmas vacations on it's the holidays than having ever watched. It's a Wonderful Life until I was in well into my twenties. Wow, wow! And I'm not I'm not saying that's good and right, uh, you know. But it is American. Yeah, yeah, no. And do you do you really <laughs> want to take a stance against America historically, the cool no. good guy and things? Uh, <laughs> a literal line in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, fun for the whole family though, as Santa Claus tells us. Um, see, I'm going to op- change the question for you, though. I'm going to change the question. Yeah, okay. Uh, what's your relationship to home, imp- uh, home improvement? <laughs> <laughs> I made the biggest mistake of Sorry, my I'm life. Dropping, <laughs> dropping heavy questions on you. What's your relationship to home alone? Uh, okay, see, I don't think, honestly, and I, I've definitely lied to people's faces about this, potentially even yours, I don't think I've seen Home Alone the whole way through. I've seen oh, bits wow. and pieces. I mean, I could give a shit, but go ahead. My, my, you know, just it's like it's the formative kids kind of '90s movie that everyone else uh-huh. has seen. But like my, like my parents considered that movie gauche or passe. They thought Macaulay. They don't. They didn't like cute kid movies. <laughs> Yeah, okay. and so so they never. It was never a thing we watched, and so I would see snippets of it on TV or at a friend's house or something, but never seen the whole thing the whole way through. Okay, I so are I so I feel like are are you suggesting that the movie that we watched today is an attempt to create an unholy alliance between the two films? I, I that and more. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean this is 
definitely got more Christmas Vacation uh, to it than Home Alone. But there there are moments of Home Alone in it. Uh, I would say because this, and we're we're skipping ahead here. Let's just take the neighbor for instance. Yes. It's the perfect blend between <laughs> scary old man uh, next door and the posh uh, erudite assholes that Julie Louise Dreyfus uh, plays in Christmas Vacation. We, we hate our neighbors, don't we, folks? We just hate them. <laughs> Whoever lives next door to you, they are the enemy. They are the worst. <laughs> I, y- yes. I, I, this movie is is vibes in so many ways. It is taking the vibes of Christmas Vacation and the vibes yeah. of Home Alone and creating a vibe, a vibrid, if you will. Yeah, not a vibe I want to be with, though. Uh, should we should we talk real quick about? Um, you watched this before I did. Yes, I did. And you suggested a certain methodology for watching it. Uh, uh, I mean, I did. I mean, I'm, I'll am i be I'll be as coy as you'd like me to, given... So, look, I uh, I watched this movie, and I, I... You were high as shit. I was, yes. I was high <laughs> watching the movie, but it was one of those situations where I was like, I, I, had, I, I, had, I had eaten a gummy earlier and had kind of forgotten I had eaten it, and I was watching this movie, and I was like, this is clearly bad, but it's... It's bad in a very unique and beautiful way, and I started writing copious <laughs> notes and having really profound experiences with it. And, I mean, that may have been also coinciding with other stuff happening to me. Regardless, I've been sober since then, and I have had—this movie has lived on in my head. I have thought about oh, wow. this film a lot and what we mm-hmm. saw. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's—I think, like, I fully bought into this movie being— one type of movie, a movie where the the cover for the movie is a is Richard Carn dressed as Santa Claus holding a puppy. Oh yeah, flanked I by mean, smiling people. I'm assuming people know the title based on pressing play, but we should, we should the, probably say the title out loud. Yeah, yes. Do you, do you want to say the title? Or should I say the title? A dog for Christmas. A dog for Christmas. A movie that posits that there posits. will be a dog at. <laughs> Good. Very good point. This movie has layers, Landon. You keep getting more out of it. Uh, Yeah, but, you know, look, simple title, uh, and you go into this movie thinking it's going to do what it says on the tin. Um, And and when, yeah, so it it was a journey for me in a way that I think a lot of other movies going going into Zoom or something, I know what I'm getting. I was surprised at every turn in this film. I can safely say that. Is interesting because this is more akin to California Dreaming, uh, in yes. terms of like level of production. Yes, um, and in terms of generally negative vibe, it is. Yeah, it is. It is the last week in talking about I'll Be Home for Christmas. I was praising the kind of naive and good natured sensibility of that movie and the the people in yeah. it. And this this is the this is the evil version of that. Uh, we're gonna get into that uh, in personal reflections, but I want to talk. I want to continue this methodology. Uh, uh, yes, storyline real quick, where you you had said you need to be not of right mind to consume this movie. Yes, and it- I was like, ha ha ha, yeah 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 yeah. And uh, um, I I ended up not being uh in any way lacking soberness. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I would say. I was probably the most sober I could possibly be 
Um, because I watched this in exact opposite circumstances from you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I watched this on my phone mm-hmm. at double speed <laughs> with one eyeball while waiting at urgent care for three hours <laughs> because uh, I had uh, I had a a cat bat my eyeball. So uh, th- I was watching this under duress. <laughs> you you got you got clawed in the eye like like Nick Fury by a yes. cat less than a week after the cat came into your life. To, it, exactly right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, do you think that our two viewing experiences will then average out to one <laughs> ordinary? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, that's where we're going to get into our personal reflections. And I think we should maybe pause for a second. Pause. pause before we get there um, to talk about some of the specs of this movie. Yes. Uh, maybe this. Maybe a synopsis of the movie. Yeah. Start us out with a synopsis, and I'll go into some of the details. Uh, yeah, so A Dog for Christmas is the story of a girl named Cassandra Madison who uh, lives in Rockford, Michigan with her two parents, uh, only child represent, and she really, really wants a dog for Christmas, and she makes this plea to her parents who refuse, uh, and then there's not much time to think about that anymore because the entire Madison family, multiple aunts and uncles and cousins, descend upon the house for the Christmas holiday, and chaos and hijinks ensue. <laughs> oh, and, d- d- I mean, need I mention that our narrator is Santa Claus, played by Richard Karn? I, I guess that's important to know. Uh, a little bit. A little bit important to know. He, yes. Uh, not a character in the film. Well, no, he what is. What the poster would have you believe. I mean, he is, but... I mean, it's not just a voiceover. He does appear in Santa suit in little interludes throughout the film to, you know, keep the story moving along. Um, but not the like baked in character that I was hoping for. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, yeah, yeah. They they use him sparingly, certainly to kind of yeah. spice things up. So t- I was kind of hoping for like a, a Ernest Saves Christmas with Richard Karn as Santa. <laughs> Well, yes, I mean, we were we were all hoping for that, but I think we all knew that that was not a realistic dream. Um, if that if that okay, movie so, if that movie was out there, we would know about it already. It would not be flying this far under the radar. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, this this movie surprised me because um, <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> even having looked it up numerous times uh, and knowing that we were doing it, just. This morning, when I was looking at the specs of this movie, was I shocked to find that this came out in 2015? Yes, yes. Uh, it feels like a 2004 movie. I, yeah, and and yet and yet, uh, the one streaming service where you can find it for free, Plex, lists it as 2021, which is also confusing. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it's a movie out of time. It's become unstuck in time. I I think I have a explanation for that. Um, but. Let me get into some context before I get there. Yeah. Uh, context? This was co-directed by (laughs) Chris Nicken and Joel Paul uh, Riesig. Yes. um, Two Michigan filmmakers who have done some things. Yes. They have have a few things to answer for. (laughs) Um, Now, now listen. These gentlemen are clearly... They they bust their ass, it seems, because they've yeah. got so many movies that they've produced, both uh, passion projects, it looks like, as well as, you know, these kind of straight-to-video. Like, they work with Dean Cain a lot, and Dean Cain yeah. is also in this movie. 
Um, so that just kind of gives you the the like they need to fill out family oriented content on Redbox. Again, this feels like a Redbox rental. Yes, it does. It, it I, I really respect the fact that that people in you know so far from Hollywood really seem to have got just a a like their own studio system, their own miniature suburban Michigan studio system going, where they're making full on franchises. The, yeah. the horse camp franchise, the horse camp movies, but and, you know, uh, but then they also have animal movies. There's you know, there's well, besides uh, a dog for Christmas, there's also Baby Bulldog and Andy the Talking Hedgehog, and also we can't forget Arlo the Burping Pig. Uh, what? Wh- how are we going to find a way to watch <laughs> Arlo the Burping Pig? Because <laughs> um, let's see here, Drake Bell is in it. Uh, was he on Home Improvement? See. Does no, he know something? Did he watch Home just Improvement? Like any any little character actor from Home Improvement? I'm not I'm not seeing literally a single one. I None. I, I just Zero. it's just like a be- it puts me in mind of Boogie Nights how they have their own little film ecosystem to make their movies. It's like the same thing because yeah. it's all there, there's a bunch of different genres. It there's some Christiany some, some thrillers things. There's yeah. it seems to be one human trafficking movie kind of drafting in the wake of uh, what a million. What 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 what's that one called? A million angels, or what's the one that was in theaters that all the QAnon people were seeing? Oh, fuck if I know. Well, okay, let's not give them any more press. Go on. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was just contributing to what you were saying. Like Faith Under Fire is one, you know, from their their Christian um, stuff. Uh, prolonged Exposure, twenty fifty. These are their you know action thrillers. Um, just another dream. Uh, the the uh, the short-lived uh, TV pilot, I guess, Spunky Airlines. Okay. Now, and let me talk about um, the writers, which are uh, Joe Paul Joel Paul Riesig, who I mentioned as director. Yes. And Scott Voschel, um, who you know, they clearly all work together. Yeah. Because uh, they just have overlapping credits. All three of these gentlemen, mm-hmm. and. Here's what I want to say is these are Michigan folks. They're out there making movies in the Michigan world. Uh, I went to film school in Michigan. I would not be shocked if I knew someone who knew these guys. Yeah, I mean, well, like I looked at Joel Paul Riesig's Facebook page, and he was putting out a call, like a casting call for Royal Oak, like a month ago. So he's swimming in your waters. Yeah, well, not my waters anymore, but um, your former waters. My former water. Well, that's where Royal Oak and Troy. Uh, that is where my film school was. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I'm curious if he actually went to that same film school, but that doesn't matter. The point being, like, there are some very industrious uh, filmmakers. Um, that aren't working at the Hollywood level or yeah. even the commercial level. They're just like they found their niche. They they found a market to work in, and they just love making movies and they do it. And they make uh, and I've they worked... make a career off of it. Like this is yeah. like a job. Yes, the movies that I starred in when I was acting uh, are of this caliber. So I I would not be surprised if I continued acting that I would have ended up in movies like this. Yeah, I I feel I feel. Very similar, like, again, I in L.A., it's, like, obviously a somewhat different level than this, but the, like, when I was briefly working as a professional scriptwriter, and it was, like, my full-time job, which was basically, like, a year and a half, and not 
not necessarily the most stable place to be. Uh, the the kind of work that I was doing, the kind of scripts that I was writing, were a lot of like it, they were they were very much just reverse engineered from okay, we we need to shoot this whole thing in one house, and we've got four actors, and one of them really isn't good, so they can't that whatever character you do for them can't have any lines. <laughs> like it, and and I felt yeah, I felt in just seeing this play out, and also like I, I the script for this has its ups and its downs, but early on getting yeah. into it, I was kind of like you know this is interesting because this is marketed as a kids' film, but the, there's like. There's some real kind of patter to the dialogue, to the back and forth. Like, this is not, like, this isn't this person's first rodeo writing a script and right. having actors deliver their lines. And so it just, like, had a smoother feel to it. I would even attribute that to the editing of this. Sure. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, someone who's edited a lot of these types of movies knows how to minimize the achiness of it uh, yes. by making the the pitter patter uh, <laughs> that much quicker and, you know yeah and, and i i think that i don't know just see remembering the ways that i would try and put you know insert little bits of of whatever whatever artistic flair or flourish i could into these in micro budget horror movie and web series scripts that i was writing that was just like content being produced because there was a market for something to have on in the background while you're yeah. texting, like, and filling yep. that niche. So I I felt that, and I felt kinship so much to that in the script and the production of this movie. And then on the streaming service it was on, it I would keep getting served ads for the Monopoly mobile game. And really, when I wasn't working when I was not in in the in the many years I've been in LA where I have not been a professional script writer I worked mainly at ad agencies writing trailers for mobile games that were kind of casino-y ripoffs so <laughs> I was seeing like every aspect of my writing career being represented wow. to me in watching we, this film we had some really interesting personal uh reactions while watching this cuz I I felt that way about the movie itself mm-hmm. uh which I'll get into deeper as we go along but um I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the like deep uh, ad placement that they have for these uh, because I was not getting Monopoly ads at all. I was getting Gunderson uh, Family Appreciation Centers, which were um, (laughs) because you appreciate uh, families so much. It's another fancier word of saying funeral home. Oh, 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 that's dystopian. Oh, come on, guys. (laughs) I don't like that at all. What, what, you know, Ministry of Truth, Big Brother shit is that? Well, there you go. Um, so, okay, before we dive into this thing, I want to know. This, I'm sorry, this movie for us was was just interspersed with reminders of mortality and capitalism. That's that's great. I love it. (laughs) America. Um, <laughs> when will you learn not to mess with America? What was your? What are your personal reflections? How you feel about this movie? You've I've, talked a little bit about it, but like, set us up for for where you're coming at this conversation. I, I yeah, I mean, I think I think people can guess, but I mean, I, I just I, I really think that this is one of the most audacious movies we've ever watched. Um, wow. In terms of just, I mean, audacious is just, like, that's just, it, it, I mean, I don't need to explain what the word audacious means. I was, th- this movie does not do anything that I would have expected it to do. It pulls an incredible, masterful bait and switch. I don't know if masterful is the word, but it pulls a very ambitious shoot for the moon bait and switch. 
Um, and, uh, I, you know, so there's a lot we're going to say about it, but you know what? I somehow can't get that mad at this movie, even though I it might sound like I am, because it's, um, unlike, unlike uh, California Dreamin', this one somehow just, somehow hit different. And again, maybe yeah. it was, maybe the clue is that you should just be on drugs when you watch a movie like this i don't know <laughs> I, I i don't have any animosity towards this as i was talking about with the filmmakers like good for them it's completely harmless watch mm-hmm. you know it, it, it doesn't go down easy necessarily it's not great but there's some there, there's a couple c- kind of harmful like there's a couple well hard edges and sharp elbows i'm not crazy oh, about well, yes, I, I, I'm not forgiving it anything, but I mean, in terms of pissing me off, sure. uh, it's not Zoom. <laughs> I, I'm realizing your California dream is my Zoom, and I, <laughs> I will go to my grave hating fucking Zoom. Th- this, um, is, this is crazy on the outside of Razor Land, and that one killed your TV. <laughs> well, I know. That should tell you how much I hated Zoom. Um, the, okay, and I, I have some pretty harsh things to say. But they aren't coming from a bad place necessarily. And I'll try to I'll try to justify what I'm about to say. Okay. Um, which is this movie gave me a lot of anxiety. And <laughs> yes, I'm sure it did. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sound happy. I, I'm sure part of that was the the state I was in in watching it, which is again one eye. Uh, <laughs> In a waiting room over the course of three hours That's at cinema. urgent care. That's how God um, intended. But what the anxiety that it gave me was that this is my Christmas. What was my childhood Christmas? Mm-hmm. The, this mm-hmm. entire vibe yeah. was my childhood Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, without the only difference being that um, when family came over, they weren't like staying over. They were just uh, you know we all lived close enough that we can. Um, go to each other's house and you know on the day and oh. go back home. But yeah. but to the like the family sitting around the living room on the white L chair with the you know glass fireplace uh, mm-hmm. with the big bay window in the front next to the Christmas tree, the <laughs> women in the kitchen doing the cookies and the cooking and the cleaning and the guys sitting around with their head hands behind their head not saying anything to one another. Like it brought me back to my childhood so much. And I, I felt very uncomfortable by it. I, I, in watching it, I kind of, I, it's just, I remember your, your stories about just like your extended family and cousins and everything like that. And I, coming from a small family, I didn't have experiences like these, but like watching this, I was thinking like, oh, this must be really. St- I might be looking into the Solano household. Like this might be a window into my co-host's world. Maybe a little, a little more clear of a window than yes. either of us expect. Yes, down to like, you know, you know, it's the holidays because everyone in the family has gone to supercuts and got their hair gelled. Uh, <sighs> they're coming over just to you know look nice in their you know. Kmart turtleneck. I'm not trying to disparage any of that. I I've done every single one of those things myself. Uh, but it, it's just part of that vibe you're talking about. It's just that that vibe for me happens to be anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it like the because this is a movie about a, a, you know kind of a well-intentioned, well-mannered only child whose life is turned upside down by the arrival you, okay. of a whole bunch of rowdy relatives. Which I mean, I'm wondering if the, if that that 
edible gave you a weird prism to look at this movie because it I would not describe this movie as about a girl. No, this is about a shitty father who has no appreciation for his life. Surprisingly, not played by Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, there's a it's a it's sort of Tim Allen stand-in. No, no, no. I'm hardly. <laughs> sa- I, I this movie is not about a girl at all. I'm just saying the fact that she is one of the. Like, in the first scene, you kind of assume, yeah. oh, the movie's about this little girl because she's telling her parents right. she wants a dog for Christmas. Like, and so, just that, that that is what you think your window into this movie is until you learn that it is really more just sort of curb your enthusiasm about the holidays. Like, Gunderson's Life Celebration Centers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they keep coming on. I'm sorry. Our, the American way of dealing with death is perverse. Merry Christmas, uh, everybody. God bless. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our I comedy just, podcast. The, the more I see this commercial, the more absurd it is. It's just come to our empty you know, parlor and look at all of the things that your person who died accumulated over their lifetime. Look at this shirt that he's no longer in. And remember that he used to be in it. <laughs> it's disturbing i i I mean nothing more disturbing than calling it a family appreciation center like i really when i first hear that term i think oh it's like like it's a a life celebration center a life celebration center that's even yeah that's like that sounds like something in a science fic that's that's like where they take you in judge dread when you're being euthanized by the state for population (laughs) controls you know Oh, my God. Um, Sorry. Okay. Back to the movie. Um, Here's the other thing about this. Uh, In in its attempt to be uh, – find humor in this kind of, like, man holding – barely holding himself together, Uh, uh, you know, family anxiety. Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. uh, Just, like, the chaos of the holidays as, like, uh, nostalgia, as, like – happy memories yeah yeah um to me to me that this that makes this the sort of movie that plays in people like ed gein's head when he's like (laughs) killing people and putting their body parts back together to try to recreate a happy home like this is the demented prism that he's looking through to go ah yes i need to i need to recapture that uh <laughs> my childhood and it's just this insane look at family that is so toxic and unhealthy i can see why i i ran away from home i basically <laughs> i mean it it definitely it is it is a movie again the the cover of this film is richard karn santa claus holding a smiling puppy that that really posits that every moment posits. of I gotta stop saying, gotta stop saying that word. It it Im- implies or impose that uh, that every second of holiday togetherness and Christmas cheer is actually torture. That 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 yeah. hell. It. I mean, I can't, to a degree. I do take the no exit stance that hell is other people, but this movie really wears that on its <laughs> sleeve when it's when it presents itself as being something different. I, I think if you just rescored this film, I mean, it would be the psychological drama that it actually is. <laughs> what, are, are you thinking, I don't know, the, the eyes wide shut, like five notes on the piano comes to mind a lot. If it's just these shots of the three guys 
sitting silently in the living room and just <laughs> maybe a little, a little bit of that a little bit of the shining i think needs to go in there yeah um i don't know just some discordant noises like get that windswept soundtrack from the no country for old men in there <laughs> yeah yeah i'd like that i'd, I'd like i think that would be a lot this does have this this is the one of the Cormac McCarthyist uh, outlook on life <laughs> movies that we've watched. I have to say, oh dear uh, God. Okay, okay, okay. Should we should we get th- those are my personal reflections. Uh, let's should we get into talking about this movie? Let's let's get into talking about this movie. Um, okay, take us through the first act as if this has one. Yes, it. it okay, so we see a production company logo, and then we are. After only one production company logo, we are immediately greeted by Richard Karn as Santa Claus. I know, I was expecting so many more production company logos. <laughs> to the point that when I first saw Richard Karn dressed as Santa Claus, ringing a little bell on the street corner, talking directly to the camera, I was thinking, like, is this a production company logo? Is he going to turn into, like, a, a like a, a <laughs> you know, oil-on-canvas version of them, and it's, like, Santa oh Karn God. Productions? No, this is the movie. <laughs> You're watching the movie now. Uh... Santa Karn tells us, hey, do you want to hear a story? I've got a great story about the Madison family and their Christmas uh, adventures. And so we we go to uh, Cassandra and her dad and mom. Uh, they're in the car going to the ice skating rink in the middle of the city. But dad is super mad about not being able to find parking and how everything costs too much. Uh, they go ice skating. Dad gets into a fight with a couple guys who have been ogling his wife. Uh Later, after all of this, mind you, also in the very first scene, Cassandra, the daughter, is listing all the reasons why a dog is great and why they should get her a dog, and the parents are not listening because Dad is too busy having a tantrum about (laughs) downtown urban core zoning policies, which, oh boy. Um, (laughs) But anyway, they head home. The whole family is, the whole, you know, all the relatives are coming. The relatives descend on the house, and hijinks begin to ensue that's kind of the first act the second kind of the first act of this movie is like 15 minutes and then the second act is the rest of the movie and then the third act is is like one second before the end of the movie one minute before the end of the movie take it Take us through, um, and then we can dive in to some of the family members. So take us through um, the family coming in and settling in. Okay, well, so the, the we get the very strong, you know, once they've returned home and they've, they're preparing for the family to arrive, something they've acknowledged will be chaotic, her whole family coming. We, we get the scene basically lifted directly from Christmas Vacation, where it's just sort of the silent camera pushing towards the front door as we as we hear the the relatives gathering outside and then the door just flies open and they come rushing in and it's all this chaos and shouting and talking but so there's a i mean there's a couple of uncles there's uncle is it uncle daryl i don't even know i i'm i'm looking at the cast list and i've got nothing yeah, I I mean, do they even list their character names on the IMDb? I I don't know. I think I mean, I'm, there's names here, but I I can't. I honestly can't even tell which name is an actor name and a character name. They there's uncle with glasses and uncle without glasses. Yes, yeah, uncle and there's so uncle glasses. Uh, yes, and grandpa old man. Uh, grandpa recliner. <laughs> grandpa chair. old man. Yeah. No, uh, no that's uh, gonna R. imply I. Gary he Oldman. Died right after this movie. <laughs> which yes gonna talk about that not laughing at the death of this actor legit r.i.p laughing at the way the movie decided to handle that um 
And then, yeah, let's see. There's Ant turning 50 and and uh, Ant not turning 50. Uh, there, there's a bunch of just people. Th- th- uh, there's folk. Th- th- well, we'll, say, we'll also just call out because I, I, I hate it. They're the ones that initiated it, so let's just rub their nose in their own shit. There's Cousin Fat Boy. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was... I'm sorry. I thought that was Uncle Fat Boy. Is it Uncle Fat Boy? Okay. I think he might... I think because he has a bunch of kids. I think all of the cousins He does? I thought he was one of the, like, older kids. No, 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 no. I think... No, I think that's... No, Uncle Fat Boy, I'm pretty sure... Because he comes in, he's got the Bluetooth initially. We, We are first introduced to all of these people, seeing them rolling up to the house, having separate loud arguments in their cars so it does kind of all run together but he's he's the bluetooth headset guy who has like yeah. I, I don't know if he's cousin brandon's dad though these these characters i feel like i know them they feel i feel like they're my family now that's <laughs> why i don't want to okay i'm not gonna go there um they all compiling in uh, there's really no characteristics i guess is what we're getting to they they they're might loud. as well all not have faces well, i mean they their characteristics are they're all Loud, obnoxious, entitled, and kind of unhappy to be together, right? Everyone in this movie is unhappy to be together. Yes. Everyone. The, the, Except Dean Cain and his children. The And, you know, and even Dean Cain, Dean Cain doesn't seem to love his kids. The women folk, for what it's worth, <laughs> I mean, they spend most of the movie in the kitchen. And we do get a few scenes where clearly it's just a wide shot and the actress is improvising. And in those scenes, the women do seem to have kinship and, and love for one another and enjoy being together. I'm not trying to suggest that that makes the gender politics of this movie suddenly. Okay. I'm just for, no, you know, clear clerical purposes. There seems to be a little bit of joy in those moments. I don't, I I think that's joy by proxy. I think you're, (laughs) you're, it's, it's alluding to, scenes you've seen people experience joy in and you're just putting that on it because it's a blank slate of just women in the kitchen there there's there's two moments well okay let me put it this way all of the ants are always in the kitchen Mm -hmm. for except for one moment where i think it's brandon eats all the cookies and they come out and check on him uh the the white Mrs. Madison I can't remember her name the mom of of the main family here just just, just call just call her mom mom and dad mom, they, got, they have she, names she who cares mom is the only one who exits the kitchen from time to time and it's to just henpeck uh dad into doing shit uh go shovel go pick up ingredients for um food I need go do this why aren't you doing that why are you the way you are. <laughs> And a dad who who has decided that he absolutely must take a nap and is trying to find different bedrooms in which to take a nap. The dad, the dad in this movie is okay. Dagwood, basically from the Dagwood <laughs> comics. There's a, am, there's a deleted okay. scene of him eating a giant sandwich with a fish on it. <laughs> okay, all right, hold on. You couldn't you I, couldn't, I gotta, you couldn't you, make Dagwood today because of wokeness. You you mentioned naps. I yes. I have to ask. I just have to ask. Are you you strike me as someone who doesn't nap? I I don't nap. <laughs> wow, is it that obvious? I don't nap. <laughs> you don't nap. No. Um, as someone who naps occasionally, uh, Social I've napper. never, I've never once taken my shirt off to nap. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not doing it right, you ever think about that? <laughs> the, that is a psychotic move to go. That's like 
going into a bathroom stall to take a shit and taking off all of your clothes. <laughs> it's it's that weird. It's like it's like going to the urinal and pulling your pants all the way down. <laughs> yes. The point of a nap is I'm so tired, I just need to close my eyes for a minute. Putting work into like you're going to bed at that point. You're going to bed at twelve thirty in the afternoon. At twelve thirty in the afternoon, it's, it's a whole different operation. At twelve thirty in the afternoon, when there are like nineteen other people crammed into your three bedroom house, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That about the time that the naps started, or the the quest for napping, was when I really started to see. Oh wow this this movie's. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be... Uh, <laughs> like, this movie is not about the set of things I thought it was about. Because, I mean, look, what do you think about... Like, our introduction to the Madisons, Mom and Dad and yep. and yep. Cassandra, just driving to the ice skating rink. Oh, yeah. The, the, those first, what, what are my impressions of that? Yeah, what are your impressions? How do you like meeting the family under those circumstances? I don't. I, the, the second I was in the car with them, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in this car. I want out of this car. I've I've heard this conversation a thousand times before. I've been him angry yes uh, you, you <laughs> driving I, yes but i i the difference is i can bottle that and control myself when i'm around other people i don't allow my my i i don't i can uh i've addressed the things i needed to address in my life to not be uh stuck in a position where i can be unhappy for the rest of my life and therefore can only passively get my rage out by yelling at other people while the people I'm actually raging against are in the car. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's that's <laughs> this is what this is what therapy does. Like I guess what's so I mean I fully agree. I was this was actually the most anxiety inducing part of the movie for me because the specific it's not just a cartoonish like oh boy dad's angry. It's like the way he's being angry is very specific to very like it's very realistically drawn. And, and, like, as though from lived yeah. experience. Why is there no damn parking down here? Uh, even well, though I have a lot of opinions about, actually, it should be even harder to park in urban areas to incentivize public transit. Like, it feels like... <laughs> to be getting this one minute after Richard Karn in a Santa suit said, Well, hey there, kids. Would you like to hear a story? Well, hey, I've got a fun one with some... It's <laughs> yes. It's got some fun for the kids and a few things for the grown-ups, yeah. too. Like, and so you're thinking, I'm going to get childish hijinks this is from a child's view of the world the movie that was introduced right. by santa claus and then the first no, this thing is from you... a frustrated male's point of view of the world yeah exactly like the, the immediately the movie is focusing in on a man who is angry about the price of hot chocolate and fighting with his wife over parking although they do go to the fastest Starbucks in the U.S. <laughs> well, they they go to the fastest Starbucks, and also, you know, after all of this, all of this rush to get to the, or all of this strum and drang to get a parking space and get to the ice skating rink, the Christmas ice skating rink they get to is the most depressing thing. <laughs> It's just it's just a circle of is ice it... surrounded by a couple railings, not a decoration to be seen. No. No, Truman, is it more depressing than when you walk in the doors of Gunderson Life Celebration Centers <laughs> and you meet Matt Gunderson and he tells you that you can hug his huggable little black poodle? Ah, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that okay, that commercial has a dog in it. Is that... It does. I, okay. I got more dog content from the Gunderson Life Center or Life uh, Celebration Center commercials than I did from this movie. <laughs> I mean, look. Let's not give away. Let's not give away the the twist of the movie just yet. Um, but 
yeah, but then they're there at the, the ice skating rink and they're skating together and, and then these guys are going by and they're hooting at the wife and saying how hot she is. And then so dad sends, you know, mom and, and Cassandra off to get hot chocolate. And then he like starts fighting with these teenagers on the ice skating rink. <laughs> this is this is like uh, w- w- this guy turns into Michael Douglas and falling down in about <laughs> 10 years. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is like, yeah, this, it does feel like his origin story. <laughs> and listen, I, I'm not going to call out family members by name, uh, but, you know, I, I've, I've heard stories of my own family, like, unable to contain their rage and it coming out to people who have just kind of offhandedly said something to them, about them, about someone around them that, again, made this feel a little too close to home. Well, just like everything that we're seeing so far, because again, at this point in the movie, I'm still looking at this through the little girl's eyes because I'm assuming that's my window to this movie. Everything I'm seeing is like, if I were a child, this would be very traumatic. Like my dad, you know, like dad is furious and angry. He like, he gets in a fight with another driver. They're yelling at each other out the windows. They actually like are like smashing their cars into each other in the most low budget way possible fighting over this parking yeah. space. In fact, you could you could see the double towel between the bumpers <laughs> in one shot. <laughs> I look, I I still I still respect it. That that for a movie of this no but like that is a a that is audacious to do that to to risk yeah. actually fucking up your your bumper or some PA's bumper for this movie. Yes. And B that's the closest thing you're going to get to a car chase. But like, as a child, <laughs> seeing your father, like, basically almost get you and your mother into a car wreck because of his anger and then start fighting with random strangers in public, like, that would, to me, I'm like, oh, my God, I, that, I, I feel for this little girl. Is she okay? Is the, yeah, right. Is, get this, get this girl a fucking dog. Yes. Have the dog eat her dad. <laughs> it's a dog eat dad world out there, except not in this movie, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, so... Well, okay. So you you had mentioned in the car that this feels a little too uh, deftly drawn. Yes. Um, I don't know if you stayed through the entire credits, but there were some interesting ones at the very, very end. Well, I mean, I did. Yes, I trust me. I sat through all the credits. I was waiting for Nick Fury at the very end. <laughs> uh, the the you know the writer and director uh, uh, Joel Powell Arisig uh, leaves like there's like a message like at the end of a Chuck Lorre production. There's a little like paragraph th- just thanking all these people for the stories that inspired different parts of the of the movie. Yeah. Um, but he calls out the specific stories, like yeah. thank you for the the wine story, thank you for the supermarket story, thank you for the you know fill in the blank story. Yeah, I don't think he credits. I don't think he shouts out the. Uh, hang on, let me check. I don't think he shouts out the ice skating story. The, he calls out terrific busy restaurant story, hysterical driveway ATM and grocery store story, wine spilling at the in-laws house story. The board under the tire story, but okay, maybe that's maybe that's the only thing. We don't need to go maybe that deep on the first five minutes, but yeah, right. Okay, well, I did. You mentioned the board under the tire, like when when they leave the um, ice skating rink, uh, he had parked in this parking spot that was you know so tiny, mm-hmm. and then in order to get out, uh, he finds that he's stuck. Yeah. Uh, the, the slush and ice are making the tire spin, and he just can't move. And so he puts one board under the tire. Uh, listen, 
Okay, <laughs> t- stop making those noises, man. P- this is an audio. You can't. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave in a frac. Folks, you heard a fraction of the noises that Landon was making in the back of his throat. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't even. <clears throat> I'm not gonna take this movie to too much task. But first of all, might. the the direction in which a tire moves and the placement of the board and where he's standing wouldn't shoot the board forward. It would go under the tire and. <laughs> Behind the car. Uh, Neil, second of all, Neil deGrasse Tyson breaking down how all the physics of, of a dog for Christmas doesn't actually make sense. <laughs> Let me tell you about the color of the sky in this shot. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is the speed at which that thing launches would have taken his leg off. Uh, I, man can dream, shit. though, can't he? <laughs> <laughs> he he hobbles away like he just stubbed it on the coffee table, but yeah. that thing would like that would have lopped his leg off. I, I I mean maybe maybe the real story that that's based on maybe the guy did lose a leg. <laughs> okay, stop, stop. Sorry. Okay, that's that's your blackout. <laughs> uh, one other one other thing that I just noted early on, we yeah. watched uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas last week, and you observed that there was just a lot of of top notch fake snow work just all over yeah. the place. This this yeah. movie this you know this is real snow. Like they are yes. really dealing with actual real snow, and um, that's you know it's got that going for it. It's a cold movie. It does got that going for it. It does feel like a winter movie. I'll give it that. So, but yeah, it's, it's again, just a movie that your first five minutes of this movie, it's, it seems to be like mainly focusing on just kind of the day-to-day minutiae and inconveniences of suburban adult life. Yep. And that's, it continues that through act two. It, yes. <laughs> and act three. Yeah. No, it, that, it, this is the whole movie. Cause it's, just, it is, I, I think. I would say that this is sort of a, like above ground swimming pool Robert Altman movie. Like this is like if Shortcuts that's, was just sort of about I, it's, Christmas. That's so above ground that's like a penthouse pool. I, I mean, I don't know. It's it would. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to shame Dollar General, but I'm trying to find another. Uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the CVS brand uh, uh, Robert Altman because it's just it, we just go into a series of sort of lightly connected vignettes about what it's like when you're an adult who has had his in-laws come over for the holidays. Which is what National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is as well. However, there's a big key difference, which is in this movie, the dad just kind of like once hears Cassandra say she wants a dog for Christmas from the backseat basically ignores her yes. and then spends the rest of the movie with no objective except to survive his family. Yeah. Whereas Christmas Vacation, he wants to give his family a good holiday. There's like there's no incentive to like this guy in this movie. I, he's just he's and he hates his life and we have to see him hate his life for the duration of it and 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 see him lash out in kind of kind of uh concerning ways that are that are played as just like oh you know how everybody does this right Um, right it it is it is wild i as someone who listen i i didn't see my experience with uh, christmas vacation is like yours with it's a wonderful life i didn't see it until a lot later in life and i saw it and i was like this is garbage this is you called it dog shit the first time you talked about this yeah okay i have talked about it okay so garbage was be my at first i thought it was garbage and then as i aged and and i think saw it again on cable i was like oh no this is in fact dog shit 
Um, it looks <laughs> it looks pretty good having having realized like this is you know the the. I, I'm not trying to knock any specific actors, but the father in this does not have the comedic sensibilities and charisma of Chevy Chase. Um, yeah. Where do we go from here? Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I, I guess because it's impossible to, to do this chronologically unless it's just me yes. scrolling through my notes. But so let's yeah. let's talk about look, let's talk about the kids, because I think okay. going into this movie again, the movie with Richard Karn in a Santa suit holding a puppy you're thinking this is a movie for kids. This is going to be a movie yeah. about kids. There are yeah. a bunch of kids in the movie. None of them, except for the girl playing Cassandra, seem to really be actors, and they're definitely not the main focus. So there's no. But they get into hijinks. They do, but the hijinks are usually the, the hijinks consist of just a few scenes of Brandon, the oldest cousin doing things to prove to the other kids that Santa is real. So it's like, I'm going to get up on the roof and go Wait. down the chimney to prove that Santa is real. Or I'm going to eat... Oh, okay, yeah, right. Then the then he, another one is he eats cookies to show that Santa can consume all of that in one night. Yes. And, I see. Okay, got it. And then there is also... And then he also engages in the scene that is in the thumbnail for this on the streaming service. Uh, uh, he hooks up a bunch of neighborhood dogs to a sled to, I guess, prove that Santa can drive a sleigh. I, I don't quite know how that works. Um, it's, yeah, it, it very much playing on the uh, sled scene in uh, Christmas Vacation. Yes, and, ver and very much playing on the fact that the word dog uh, accounts for 25% of this film's title. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, So in each case, he, the fire department has to get involved. He gets stuck in the chimney, and they have to get him down. He eats so many cookies that he has to be taken to the hospital, uh, but he's fine, I guess. No one seems that worried about the child being rushed to the hospital. Uh, and Multiple times. Yeah, yes. And then, yeah, and then he he tries to do the dog sled team, and the dogs go running, and the, the through editing, the movie makes it look like he goes super fast and goes flying off of a snowdrift. And then just a, a fireman brings him to the door. <laughs> so the fire department is just driving Courtesy around, of... picking up wayward kids. Courtesy of the Rockford uh, uh, Fire Department, the, Rockford, Michigan Fire Department, the, who are who are kind of like best supporting actor in this movie. Like they are, <laughs> they are, a, they are practically a character in the film. The, okay, yeah. I, all right. We, here's here. We got to go here because we haven't talked about uh, the marquee names in this movie. Yes. Uh, let's go into how do we get to Dean Kane? Talk a little bit about Dean fucking Kane. Be before we okay yes i'll talk about dfc to just conclude on the kids that's okay all oh, right right j just like three scenes where a big kid does a hijink and the other kids kind of watch interspersed throughout the movie interspersed throughout the film that's basically all the kid oriented plot lines otherwise the kids are in the yeah. background sort of and they open some gifts for a while that's about all you get of the kids. Oh, we gotta. We're gonna. We're gonna talk about Christmas Day in a minute. Oh yes, but, we are. Yeah, keep going. Okay, but anyway, so just d that's it. Everything else in this movie is is it. You know, I I've said curb your enthusiasm before. It is just that. It is just kind of Seinfeldian bits about like, oh man, can you believe this situation we're in? Dean Kane. Uh, Dean fucking Kane. Dean, fucking Kane. Uh, I will say, just a, a, a very very. Super tenuous 
connection. I said I you know might know someone who knows someone who knows these filmmakers. Yeah. Um. I do. I went to high school with a girl who starred in a Dean Cain movie with him. Lucky her. As his love interest. Oh. 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 Unlucky her. Um. I had a crush on her, and she drew a heart on my neck once because she sat behind me in math class. That sounds sounds pretty good. How how long how long did that heart <laughs> stay on your neck? <laughs> a little. <laughs> what? Why with the hard hitting questions? Get out of here. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Back to the dogs. Back to Christmas. Uh, so Dean Kane uh, is is the top build name in this movie. First off, yeah. uh, and he he comes into play when Dad, who is trying to take a nap, is instead pulled out of bed by his hectoring, practically rolling pin wielding wife, who insists that he shovel the driveway and front walk, and. Uh, he is so intent on taking a nap that he instead hires this. Dean Kane is just wandering through the neighborhood with his kids, like Kane and Kung Fu, offering to to <laughs> shovel front walkways. And so he offers him sixty bucks to shovel his front driveway as well as the driveway of their elderly neighbor. Uh, and then he sneaks back inside and bribes uh, his in-laws to lie to his wife about where he is, and then he goes and he continues his nap in the guest room. Um, Without a shirt. Without, like yeah, a shirt, psycho. Shirtless, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, and then having uh, having taken his nap, he goes back downstairs to find that Dean Kane and his sons have finished, but uh, they won't take a check for shoveling the front walk, so instead yeah. he has to go to the ATM with them, but he doesn't remember his people. You know who number. will take a check? Who will take a check? Gunderson Life Celebration Center. <laughs> he should have just he should have just compensated Dean Kane with you know with some what like a complimentary coffin uh, you know a couple of couple of I urns. don't see any coffins here. It, no it's coffins? more laying out um, uh, articles of like uh, uh, uniforms. If Wait. they if they wore a uniform, you it would be neatly folded and placed on a, a card table uh, so you can go and look at it. So, it's, so, it's next to a, a pot of flowers and some and marble pebbles. So, so wait, is this? Do they don't even deal with dead bodies. It's just preserving clothes and tchotchkes, basically. Well, it's like know. a little museum. This is the commercial. I, I don't think they're going to put that part in the commercial if they do. I mean, well, th- then I don't. Then I don't know what I'm going to these life celebration people <laughs> for. This is this is poorly to targeted. hug the poodle. I, okay, I guess that's true. There's an emotional support poodle in it. I'm just saying, if you if you think you know, oh my kid, my kid really wants a dog. I don't want to get him a dog. Yeah. But wait, there is a place where I can celebrate life, and she can pet a dog. Great. Yeah. And then you traumatize your kid by taking them to a funeral home. It's 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 a dog for death. <laughs> that's that's the the sequel to this movie. Uh, uh, or 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 at least it's alluded to at the end. So um. But yes, yeah, so he takes. Yeah, so Dean Kane won't take a check. They have to go to an ATM downtown. He gets in the car with them. Um, this this is also this was a real turning point. This is the beginning of the second act for me. Actually, is the moment when they get in the car together, and Dean Kane, who's Dean Kane's character, is very much. He is very much the like kind of hillbilly cousin in Christmas Vacation who's in the RV. You know, he's like, yeah, he's always oh, a uh, oh how how much is it sixty bucks. 120 bucks no you owe me 60 bucks twice like that kind of thing yeah yeah and i mean if I, I listen dean kane's his own fucking thing he's dean fucking kane yes but um uh, for 
you know, the fact that he's done a hundred thousand of these sorts of movies, like he knows what he's doing. It's like a good he, performance. he knows the exact level of commitment he needs to put into this. Yes, exactly. I so he but so he they they're so he's just very clearly like uh, you know, lower class, uh, stupid guy. Gets in, they get in the the van with Dad, and he asks Dad, "So you go to you go to college?" And Dad goes, "Yeah, I went to University of Michigan." And he goes, "Waste of time! All they do over there is teach about socialism," and yeah, boy. that's that is that feels like a Dean Kane Dean fucking Kane ad lib. I mean, but it's th- this was yeah, th- that's when <clears throat> Act Two began. Was when I realized, oh holy <laughs> shit, this movie like hey. We're, we're, this is the 30, 30 minutes into the film. A, I, uh, when I saw them getting in there and I saw that they had a dog with them, just like some kind of basset hound, the, Dean Cain and his two kids, I was like, oh, yeah, a dog. Maybe this is the dog for Christmas? I forgot there was supposed to be a dog in this movie. Like, I, like you, just, I've been watching just bit after bit of, like, hectoring wives and dads sitting on the couch wanting to watch sports and kids eating yeah. cookies. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's what this movie's about. But that at this point, I, we, we thirty minutes yeah. into the movie, the we have gotten no dogs, but now one reference to socialism. <laughs> what, what account? Um, I, okay, I, I want to take us on a tangent real quick because I'm, as usual, have the movie playing in the background while we do this. Yeah, I'm witnessing a scene I don't remember seeing. Granted, I only had one eye. Yeah, now you've um, got now you've got twice the viewing capacity. But this is going on much longer than I remember, and or I don't remember it at all, but it's going on so long that I'm surprised I wouldn't have remembered any bit of it. There's there's a Christmas party scene oh. that has nothing to do with the family. What What's going on here? Oh, well, the office Christmas party? Yes. Okay, well, that's going to oh, Okay, t- is that what it is? Yeah, that's the, yeah. I is mean, this a flashback? No, this is just a thing that they go do. This makes no sense. I mean, it's it's later on in the movie. They're leaving their family at home to go to an office Christmas party. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, I, like, fuck it. This movie's fractured anyway. So, like, about, yeah, about halfway through the movie, they're, they, uh, they've all gone downtown together, you know, mom, dad, and uh, Cassandra, just the three of them, to do some, some holiday shopping or whatever. Uh, uh, dad runs into Richard Claus, Santa Karn, whatever you say. They have a little conversation. <laughs> this is like the one moment in the movie where he has any statement of purpose, and he's sort of talking about like it's tough being a dad. I have to be the bad guy, and my my daughter wants a wants a dog, but there's no way we're getting her a dog. Uh, you know, she's gonna hate well, me for it. But after, I mean, she won't hate you for it if you just don't ignore her and have a conversation with her about I, it. Yeah, maybe. Also, maybe, why can't you have a dog? You are clearly affluent. You have one child. Yes. Like, like, where, where does a dog not fit into the equation here? They never explain why Cassandra can't get a dog for Christmas. Like, they, they, we know that they're opposed to it, but these parents who are kind of like the main characters in the movie, actually, we never know why they are... They don't have a good reason. They just don't want to give their daughter what she wants. Jesus Christ. Um, but, you know, they have that conversation. We go from this scene with Dad getting advice from Santa Claus to, oh, we have to go to the office Christmas party now, your dad's office Christmas party. They are making, like, like Cassandra really doesn't want to go, but her mom is making her go, you have to... You have to come along, and so then we just cut to the office party where everyone is drinking what are identified on screen as cherry martinis, and Dad is sitting there, <laughs> leading the whole office in a 
he's very drunk, a drunken rendition of the 12 Days of Christmas, but he's singing about things okay. like six cherry martinis, five migrant workers about to take all our jobs, four oh exotic dancers, uh, two French kisses, and then he, <laughs> I can, I can. <laughs> and then he passionately starts making out with his wife in front of the entire uh-huh. crowd of people, and then he tries to make out with another woman, and she... Yeah. Like, like... Uh, I, I can I can hear the uh the Rotten Tomatoes or the IMDb ratings on this going. This was a a fine family film until <laughs> dot dot dot. They use the word hell in this movie. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's okay for my children. Th- this scene is coming right after a scene where he's been having a conversation with Santa Karn, who by the way is like implied to be the real Santa Claus, just cleverly in disguise yeah. as a Salvation Army Santa Claus, and. Yeah. And this whole, the framing of this story is that you have walked up, like we the viewer have walked up to Santa Claus, he has offered to tell us a story that's fun for the whole family. So like, the idea is that Santa Claus is sitting there going like, ho ho ho, and then he took another deep swig from the Jack Daniels bottle and brought his lips ruthlessly (laughs) down against his wife's. She could taste the hot bourbon on his breath as his tongue forced its way into her mouth. Oh, oh my oh. God. Like, where is that missing narration? I want to hear it. I, I, I mean, it's the it's this movie is just mundane <laughs> depravity. And the thought oh of Santa God. Claus telling you about it and your parents like trying to pull you away. And we're like, no, no, no. We'll talk about the dog eventually. But it's very important. They know how wasted Cassandra's dad got. No, you see, kids. Cassandra's cause... dad needed a nap and he just didn't feel comfortable wearing wearing his tidy shirt. So he <laughs> stripped that off to get into the sheets and feel that silky smoothness against all of the skin that he had. Dean Kane, the friendly man who was shoveling <laughs> the front walks, had a lot of interesting ideas about European economic theories, which were grounded in things that he'd seen on talk, t- on talk shows and talk radio. Um, Dear God. So, and I think also just, so he's very drunk at this party. They're driving home and he's, we, it's just like, Get footage of the car driving and ADR of dad drunkenly singing, ten bottles of Jack, nine ladies dancing, eight mateys a-milking, my big, and then mom cutting him off. So it's it's taken this very, very body turn. But also, remember, the beginning of the Christmas, the office Christmas party sequence is them making Cassandra come. Cassandra does not want to come to the office Christmas party. Mom is like, you have to come watch your dad get drunk and tell dirty jokes. <laughs> it seems like it would be pretty traumatic it, for a child. It it does. Also this is the kind of this is kind of the first time we've really spent any time with Cassandra since she watched her dad get in a fight at the ice skating rink. Um <laughs> yeah, and also the fact that wait, you've got your whole family is at home but you're leaving to go to the an office Christmas party at Look, so long as we're like, I don't know, do you have more to say about the Christmas party? No, I just don't remember a single ounce of it. Uh, That's why it it took me by surprise watching it in the background here. It it took me by surprise watching it in the foreground on the show. Uh, A a scene that echoes what goes on with Dean Cain, because in brief, to go back to it, he and Dean Cain go downtown to get to the ATM machine so we can pay Dean Cain for shoveling the walks. Oh, but he doesn't remember his pin number. Uh okay, what can we do? I can't call my wife because she thinks I shoveled the front walk. So then it's like, okay, take us to the grocery store, buy us groceries, 
And then, oh my God. yeah, right. And then there's just some hijinks at a grocery store, whatever. But it's it's just all of these scenes which go on and on kind of turn on just dad being angry and Dean Kane being kind of like this aloof hick who's wandered into his life. There's another scene. This is on December 23rd. So the, the first the day that everyone arrives is December 22nd. The, after the first 40 minutes of movie and hijinks uh, at at long last, uh, well, what we do get is Cassandra giving her her grandpa a letter that she wants him to deliver to Santa, and then Grandpa reads it right. and sees all I want for Christmas <laughs> and my birthday is a dog. And this is like I, I read a lot of um, uh, Victorian uh, Gothic horror, you know, early horror ghost yeah. stories, I guess. Yeah, and there's often um, it's often told in the first person. Uh, well, actually, no, it's it's told. As if somebody is reading the letter of somebody else. Like, it's it's documentation found. Like, you'll never believe what happened to this person. This is the last <laughs> known thing that happened to them. And they'll, so it'll be a narrator reading something that someone wrote. And mm-hmm. then in the thing that someone wrote, someone was quoting somebody else. <laughs> so it's like a quote and a quote and a quote. And so yeah. Grandpa reading this letter in the car to your point earlier, is basically Richard Karn going, and then Grandpa got in the car and read the note, and he said, in Cassandra's voice, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a Matroshka doll of of Christmas experiences. <laughs> it is Santa telling us about a guy reading a letter that was supposed to be delivered to him. Um, yeah. So after after this happens, I guess it got to him after all. Yeah, I I, I guess I guess it got through, but so. We, we Wait, go f- what? Hold on, hold on. Okay, something just occurred to me okay. about this. Uh, is this is about the Gunderson life celebration extravaganza? No, 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 no. This is about Richard Karn as Santa Claus here. Well, just about Santa Claus, the character in yeah, this movie. Sure. Which is he's telling us this story, yes, as if it had already happened, but he's an active participant in it happening in real time. Uh, yes. Can Santa tell the future? I, I mean, well, I mean. Probably, if he can. Tra- I mean, if he can travel all around the world in one night and eat all those cookies and deliver presents to all the children, I wouldn't be shocked if he can tell the future. I mean, he also seems to have an elaborate spy network. <laughs> can he tell the future, or is he a time traveler? Well, I mean, it could also just be that that, that this movie takes place in multiple timelines. So there are the the interstitial uh-huh. scenes of Santa Claus talking directly to us, and it is Santa Claus recalling this experience that he had with the Madison fa- So, like, when we see him interacting with members of the family, that is in the past for Santa Prime in... Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I mean... And so he's like, Santa's... Oh, my God. I can't even wrap my head around this. So he's like, then Dad Madison came up to me on the street, and he said, and then I said... Uh, he, he's yeah. basically quoting himself in his own story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- then then Dad Madison came up to me, and, and after we chatted for a little bit, I told him I had to use the bathroom. Therefore, he had to put on my coat and ring the bell for me for a while. Th- and-, and I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> and, and I, I love... Like, like, <laughs> like, he's saying it as if it's in the past tense, but he's currently doing it. Yes, I mean, I mean, true. It's like, yeah, so it's like, this is a story about another time that I talked to someone who came up to me while I was standing outside this same store ringing this bell. Uh, or or does Santa just work for, like, the Hallmark Channel and is really into producing reenactments of his stories? <laughs> outside the holiday season, I do most of my work for Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> 
Uh, but so so Grandpa gets this letter, and then after the the letter happens, we like we go back to Santa Claus, Santa Prime, Santa Karn standing outside the and saying like, "Oh man, oh it's so crazy!" Like I think we get him actually. He's picking up a hot dog, and he's. That's right. Yeah, yeah he's paying. Oh, oh, oh! I didn't hear you there. Gosh, so you're quiet. He, he's, he says things like, "It's like he's been surprised by us walking up to him." Like, "Oh, you snuck <laughs> up on me." So it's like, but wait, are we a ghost? You, you've been telling us the story, and then you're surprised by us. Like, was the story just on autopilot while you went to get this hot dog? I, I it's. <laughs> Just like that moment in uh, Last Action Hero where Arnold Schwarzenegger plays uh, plays his video or his uh, cassette tape for when his wife calls. <laughs> yeah, or it's it's like uh, I don't know. It, on some level, it also feels like in Wayne's World when the camera just tries to go off and follow somebody else. Um, <laughs> and O'Neill, yeah. Uh, so he, but he says he basically he says, "Oh well, anyway." So that was that was all that happened that day, and now let's now it's December twenty third, the day before the day before Christmas, and let's just see what the Madisons get up to now. And basically, Santa Karn in this movie plays the role <laughs> of like title cards in any other movie, where it would just say <laughs> December twenty third. Here we go to yeah. Santa Claus explaining to us what day it is. Yeah, but but so on December twenty third. Dad is down in the kitchen trying to get something to eat for lunch. He's hungry, but the women all yell at him and holler at him to get out of there because the food they're preparing is for dinner. And so he goes uh he he goes out for lunch and he goes to a Chinese restaurant. Oh god, I knew this was coming and I I tried to prepare for it and I just couldn't uh- I just okay. okay. I'm gonna give you two minutes. Get it all out. Okay. So he, the Chinese restaurant is super full of people. Oh, it's, it's so crowded today. Yeah, because this is the only place open because it's Christmas. Now, first, I want to say, last week, I I alluded to a kind of just tropey thing from history where Jewish people go and get Chinese food on Christmas, which is like an established. Like, I'm not saying that's, like, a thing all Jewish people do. That was, like, in the 50s in New York. That was, like, sort of, like, a just a joked-about thing because that was the one place that was open. And anyway, I don't need to explain further. This is kind of a tricky time to be talking about that at all. But I, Landon was just so dubious that that existed at all. And then to get, like, there's... No, no. I know I, I know the trope. I'm I What I was dubious about was playing into the trope. Okay, well, look, I'm not trying to... I, I, again, it... If if Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan can joke about it on the Senate floor, I can at least acknowledge a thing <laughs> that I became aware of by Elena Kagan joking about it. Um, okay. What uh, like they he goes to this Chinese place. It is totally packed. Nowhere else is open because it's Christmas. It's December twenty third, bro. Lots of stuff is open on December twenty third. Um, yeah. Also, like he's so he's there for lunch. Huge lunch rush. He's trying to get a table for one. To eat Chinese food. What? What? You want to just sit alone at a Chinese restaurant? He, he, he is so desperate to get away from his family I, that he is going to a Chinese restaurant by himself on December 23rd. And, and he can't get a table for one, as the thickly accented maitre d' and waiters tell him. And he... Uh, so then these two randos offer to sit with him so that the three of the like they're not seating any parties smaller than three so after waiting around for a long time in the waiting room of the chinese restaurant again feeling like a seinfeld episode they then they then get seated and there is just this extended scene of just 
this is just a trashy couple who well, are kind of stupid. They're both drinking hmm. like liquor from a flask. Fun for the whole family. Santa Claus is talking about this to us. And are we? Are we? Is is the generational gap rearing its head right now? I mean, I, I don't. I don't know, Landon. I'm just a wee baby. I'm but a small bean. I don't know well, what you're talking this is about. Our third marquee name. What, who, who's, who, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> this, this is Dustin Diamond. Oh, oh, from oh, Screech. From, that's Screech from. I saw in the yeah. name. I saw that Dustin Diamond was in this movie, and I thought, well, surely that must be a coincidence because Dust. I feel like I would recognize Dustin Diamond. <laughs> I did not. Uh, clearly, you did not. <laughs> I thought that was some other. I thought, okay, I just thought this was some guy. I'm. Uh, well, listen, first, let's not speak ill of the dead. R.I.P. Dustin Diamond. But uh, I found this very, I, I found this scene very just abrasive and annoying, and I also didn't understand, like, because Dustin Diamond is just, like, a trashy kind of trailer park guy with his trashy trailer park girlfriend, and they talk about how they just met and are already living together, and then ask Dad what he thinks of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It is a weird fucking, it feels ad-libbed. It, it, to be honest. It, no, it does. Or maybe not. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it feels like someone who doesn't write comedy trying to write comedy, and this is what they came up with. I, yeah. Like, the, he, he at one point, Dustin Diamond says, my buddy in the war, he got bird flu. It's messing me up, man. And that's, like, the big boy punchline of the scene like they're they're uh, this is also well and then there's the other like sticking it to dad uh moment where the bill comes and he's like okay you know i mine was 5.99 jesus christ 5.99 killing me i you know for that price for how much money you spend at gunderson life celebration (laughs) centers you could go and get yourself a nice dinner uh, afterward for five ninety nine, this this dude quibbling over five ninety nine, who spent a hundred twenty dollars to get his driveway and a neighbor's driveway shoveled. <laughs> well, I, he's saving money somewhere. I, I, the, I, yeah, I, I guess it's like they ate lunch in nineteen sixty five. I can't even believe it. <laughs> but, but you know who else was around in nineteen sixty five? Gunderson Life Celebration Centers. They're celebrating one hundred years this what, year. Was it always called a Life Celebration Center, or did it? Some, did they? <laughs> at some point just call it a funeral home for like i i don't it's it does say gunderson uh well it went off the screen sorry i mean i'm every time it comes up i'm gonna mention it i okay look i just it, they they spend probably five minutes of back and forth where we just met on tuesday and we're living together so what do you think about that well you two are adults you do what you like come on stop being so shy you say you're living together what do you mean you're living together in the same house or the same room bed etc like like just, just like I don't know what is keeping a kid watching at this point. Like this movie, <laughs> there's no dogs, no at all, no, there's no. no magic. There's no magic. This is not a family or kid movie. But except- I would if I was if my parents brought this family film air quotes uh, home to watch for the holidays, I would be like, Jesus fucking Christ, can I go play Legos or at least shove them in my eyeballs and this is coming from someone who watched it with one good eyeball <laughs> yeah your tragic your tragic lego accident i mean you want to blame it on on bela but it was it was really just you could not figure out where that l-shaped piece was supposed to go it, yes it's it, it this is in every regard 
an adult-oriented comedy, except for the fact that it is periodically broken up by Santa Claus explaining to you about the values of love and kindness and telling you what day it is. a child isn't going to know who the fuck Richard Karn is. You know who would? A man about the age of dad in this movie who would rent it and watch it and go, oh, yeah, whatever happened to him from Home Improvement? Oh, I guess he's doing this movie. Uh, but it but it seems as though it seems – but, like, the Santa Claus – like, Richard Karn as Santa Claus is not the thing that appeals to the older people watching the movie. It's, oh, Richard Karn from Home Improvement. The fact that they feel – like, just a, a picture if, like, Glen Gary Glenn Ross – in between acts, Santa Claus was like, oh, boy, so someone broke into the office. That's so crazy. Well, let's see what happened the next day after the police arrive. Who's going to get the Glen Gary accounts? I, I, like, get, get a new movie poster to the printers. We have a new, we have a new pull quote. <laughs> Truman Cat says, mammoth-esque. <laughs> I've just said, look, having also having Richard Karn, who is in... Four minutes of this movie, front and center on the cover, is kind of like if Glenn Gary Glenn Ross had Alec Baldwin front and center on the cover, <laughs> holding a set of steak knives. It's going to it applies to you a that the movie has Alec Baldwin in it throughout, and b that steak knives are a major component of the movie and not just a MacGuffin. <laughs> I I, I want to see Richard Carn bringing Alec Baldwin energy to his trying to get donations. <laughs> Coco is for closers. <laughs> you need big brass balls to get this kind of donation <laughs> to ring this bell. Um, <laughs> you need big brass bells. Glenn Gary, Glenn Claus. So, oh, dear God. <laughs> all right. So, there's the office Christmas party. Uh, there's, oh, there's, there's almost a sex scene in this movie for children oh, God. where dad oh, is God. getting a massage at, at one point in the evening. And uh, this is a moment where you take your shirt off. Yeah. Uh, he is topless here and it's appropriate. Yeah. Exactly. Parents guide. Well, one... I would say like this, this whole thing is about, doesn't it suck to be a uh, affluent white male where it's like his wife, who's been henpecking him the entire movie is the one giving him a massage now. I, what the fuck has this guy done it, positively in this movie at all? He, his wife his wife is giving him a massage also when she has been doing all the work. She's been yes. in the kitchen round all the clock. All he's done is grouse. He, all he's done is grouse, go on, a, on kind of a long side quest to a supermarket, spend seemingly two and a half hours at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, she's massaging him and being like really because he's saying like, oh, I'm just all so knotted up from from shoveling all those driveways because I also shoveled the neighbor's driveway. And she's so, so impressed by this that then like they they don't say we're going to have sex. But he's like, oh, you know what else we could do? And she's like, "Mm, yeah, well, and uh, but then Dean Kane arrives at the door late at night because, oh, your your husband left his ATM card or whatever after he after he took me to to you know get groceries and basically explains to her everything that happened and then rather than like because she there's a knock at the door from Dean Kane she goes downstairs answers for him learns everything and I'm thinking oh, okay so then she's gonna go back upstairs and she's gonna play kind of coy about this and act like she doesn't know but then like you know catch him in a lie and really roast him but no instead she just screams for dad to come out and then makes him sleep on the couch so yep yep so uh so 
<laughs> I don't even understand what the consequences are of the world they're setting up. Because, yeah, be, because then, like, we cut to from her, you know, from him going down to the couch, then we cut to, like, later, it's dark, it's the middle of the night, we see him getting up off the couch and running back upstairs and closing the bedroom door. So, is the movie implying... So... Is this <laughs> ho ho ho? But then they made amends enough for him to get a December twenty fourth hand job. <laughs> Merry Christmas! It's important for mommies and daddies to explore their bodies from time to time. <laughs> I really hope he's telling that part of the story while eating the hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat a hot dog for hours, can't you? <laughs> Dear God. Um. Okay, listen, we might be skipping out of time uh, a little bit. Sorry, I got a nail in my chest uh, just <laughs> okay. then from Bela. Nice. Um, <laughs> every, every episode, she's injuring a new part of you. She, she woke up for a half a second just to just to get me to sing. That's great. Um, okay, we got to talk about Christmas Eve versus Christmas morning. Okay. With these kids and the family opening gifts. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't understand it at all. The... Is it that the kids get to open one gift at Christmas Eve? Did they say that? Or are they opening gifts on Christmas Eve and then once the kids go to bed, bring in more gifts for Christmas Day? What's going on here? I, I, so Yes, I think that's what it is. I th- now, listen, I never did this because, um, you know, w- because we're not savages. All, all presents were to be opened on Christmas morning. I guess when we would go to my grandparents' house on Christmas Eve, I would open whatever presents they got me then. Yeah. Which I guess was quite a bonanza because I was the only child in the entire family, so it was just everything there was for me. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I... I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm just putting that out there that I got loads of presents as a kid because I'm about to be just gobsmacked by how many presents these kids are getting. But... Yes, the kids, like, after Christmas dinner, when everyone's super full, uh, the Christmas dinner where everybody toasts Dad and all the work that he's done, completely ignoring the fact that his wife and all the other wives made dinner and did all the work. Uh, yeah, the kids all go out and they open all their presents. And it seems like they're just opening, like... Because there's still some left under the tree after Dad sends them all off to bed. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't fully understand what is going on here. I, I think it's, it's they're they're opening up they are opening up legit toys. One kid opens like a Mars robot thing. Another one opens up a crayon maker. Yeah, uh, you know, like they're things you get on Christmas. I I think the idea is that let's open the presents that mom and dad got for you, and then it's like okay, well those are all the presents. Go off to bed and let's see what Santa brings. And then like because they after the kids go to bed. There's then a montage of the the parents all going out to the car and pulling out big dick yeah. player gifts. You know the foosball table, the snowboard, the the Nerf guns. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's a tennis racket. Yeah, there's so much, so many presents. Hula hoop. The, the, if, you know, for kids, the 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 <laughs> affluence and abundance on display on this movie is is al- al- almost comforting in a way. Just to th- think of like, oh man, just getting getting like. Getting a foosball table for Christmas, that's a very specific white kid in the suburbs with parents right. who have good office jobs kind of kind of level of of uh of existence. Yes. Uh, yeah, they they go they go and they get all these these toys and bring them in and at the same time like the Okay, actually I want to call this out first unless you had a specific way you wanted to go. No, not at all. So they, you know, the the, the 
parents are watching the kids open gifts and th- there's the whole scene with with one of the uncles brings a glass of wine into the living room even though uh the mom tells him not to and then he gets Wait. jostled by a kid are you telling telling the the famous wine spilling story <sighs> yeah you know i'm i didn't want to spoil the the famous and very unique could only happen to one person wine spilling story that is credited at the end of this film a, a, a tale too twisted to to one of those stranger than fiction kind of things <laughs> uh, yes but he spills red wine on the white carpet and uh and uh oof, boy it's just i laughed until my sides split um but they they're they're opening all the gifts and the the kids have opened all the gifts and then dad just gets them and goes, all right, last round up, everybody get off to bed. And all like nine or, or 12 of these kids all just go, ah, it's a lot of, it seems a yard sound effect too, but they all just get up and just all go troop trooping off to bed. Just, just awesome. Like just like <laughs> they've, they're all jazzed yeah. up on sugar and Christmas cookies and it's Christmas Eve <laughs> and they've just gotten a whole bunch of new toys they want to play with. But it's like, ah, oh, well, he told us to go to bed. Guess we got to go to bed. That's what you do. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's talk about a little bit, uh, some of these other festivities beyond the gifts where you, know, you they send them off the bed, as you said. Yes. But then <laughs> well, grandpa yes. gets on the roof. Yes. Yes. Gra- to, to sell, the fact that Santa is there. There, this is Grandpa is an interesting character to me because most of the movie he is like all the other men in this movie, just kind of a lump. He is just lazy and just a, a, a tax on society. He is grumpy. He does not want to wipe his feet before he comes in the house. Therefore, making more work for yeah. the women. But then when he interacts with Cassandra, when she gives him the the letter for Santa and everything, he has some really like you know sweet and earnest monologues about like, well, when you've lived as long as me, you meet some pretty important people. Um, but yeah, he takes, yeah, it's, it's shocking to see him up on the roof, this old out of, you know, shape man. How did he even get up there? Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like I, you're looking I, at a cat. I mean, it, he looks like he's one second away from, from being a exhibit at the, Gunderson Life Celebration <laughs> Center. Well, I mean, at this point, he very well might be. Um, he <laughs> like because he's he's read the night before Christmas to the kids about the oh on you know, on the roof arose such a clatter or a clatter or whatever, and then he he you know goes back downstairs where all the parents are having a drink and getting their get, getting ready to bring the presents in. He says, oh, "I'm going out for a walk," and then he takes a ladder, gets up on the roof, and is stomping up and down on the roof. And so we get a shot of the kids all waking up and going, oh, my gosh, it's Santa, it's Santa. Um, why? First of all, why wouldn't they make dad do that? Uh, it seems like the sort of thing that mm, he would like to grouse about. Well, yeah, I mean, but but also they, they're not making dad do that because he would just hire Dean Kane to do it. And then you, you've got a whole <laughs> new set of problems. Um, th- this is also something that one of our mutual friends has a story he tells every Christmas I, about how his okay. dad, like, tried to do this one year, and it was a really terrible experience. 
I wasn't going to mention it, but it went through my head for sure. Yeah, it just, you know, look, I, I think it's a funny, because my, my friend's dad went up there to try and give his son this magical moment, but but our friend was being such a, a little dick at the time that, like, he wasn't in the bedroom, didn't hear the sleigh bells, his dad's up on this rooftop in a snowstorm. But apparently the neighbor kid heard the sleigh bells, and it was the most magical, amazing experience for her, and she believed in Santa <laughs> Claus until she was, like, 17 or something. But oh his parents never, like, they didn't know this until so long after. Um, but then he's he's up there, and then Dad, when he's out getting some gifts, he sees this ladder up against the side of the house, and he's just like, oh, what's that doing there? And he takes the ladder away and puts it away. So Grandpa winds up trapped on the roof all night. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and a callback to, uh, uh, Brandon shenanigan from earlier. Shabranigan, uh, yeah. Sh- sh- <laughs> it sounds like a 1980s uh, pop singer. It, it, or, um, or it sounds like something that, like, the backup singers in a doo-wop band would say, like, Shabranigan, Shabranigan. Um, but yes, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a classic Shabranigan up there in the, in the chimney. Yeah, Grandpa gets stuck, and they have to call the fire Rockford Fire Department to get Grandpa out. Now, okay, th- I have so many thoughts about the fire department's role in this movie, which is an okay. interesting thing to say. But there's like early on in the like in the first time when it occurs, when Brandon gets stuck in the chimney, and we get these shots of like a fire truck driving through the neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, that's definitely something they didn't have budget for. Like, they just, did they just call 911 and report a fire down the streets so they could film fire trucks driving through the neighborhood? Because then <laughs> when when Brandon eats too many cookies, we get, like, a quick shot of, like, a fire truck driving away from the house down the street to imply that the firemen have shown up to take the sick kid to the hospital in a fire truck. But... So yeah, then this I one, will say filming yeah. filming in Michigan is way different. Uh when I, when I was doing short films back in school, uh we were doing a film um behind a bank on a street uh where a just two of us, I was the camera person and you know my actor uh, who was a family member was running down the street with a like a a briefcase in his hand away yeah. from the bank. Yeah. And the cops pulled up. And they're like, what are you doing? Uh, and we're like, oh, I'm just filming a, a short film for class. And he's like, oh, let me hold this, the traffic for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, it was at like 10 o'clock at night, but uh, they were eager to help. Uh, I think it's like they can see it as the opportunities to uh, uh, make good with the community. Sure, yeah. And I mean, yeah, and also there's just a certain kind of when you're outside Holly. In L.A., I'm making a movie. It's like, oh, Jesus. Okay, what do you fuckers want? But whereas anywhere else, it's like, oh, cool, movies. I love those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, only here in L.A. do we realize that movies are bad and making them is bad. Uh, but <laughs> but, uh, but so in this third scene, like, uh, th- where where Grandpa's stuck on the roof and they, they realize he's up there because he's yelling down the chimney like, Bra- like Brandon did, we get a full-on shot of a fire truck pulling up to the house and putting its ladder up to the house, and then a shot of a fireman leading Grandpa wrapped in a blanket back up to the family. And this is all happening. There's no sound for this. And this is... Santa comes in in voiceover here as this is happening, saying, Oh, that Grandpa sure is a character, isn't he? As long as I can remember, he's been one of my favorites. He's gotten gruff in his old age, but he loves his family, and that's what's important. So... What? (laughs) 
And and this is extra confusing because the fireman and grandpa are facing away from from the camera as we first hear this. And I'm at first I'm like, wait, is the fireman saying this? Does the fireman have like Santa voice? Is is the fireman Santa Claus like how Sean Connery is the fireman at the end of Time uh, Time Bandits? Like what what are we, what are they trying to say here? Um, but. Like so, it just made clear, like, oh, okay, they they knew someone at the fire department. They were able to get the firemen to come out for like ten minutes and put the ladder up to the house so they could get this shot. And then the other shots are just like they f- used every part of the fire truck but the siren, basically. They're every pig but <laughs> yes. the squeal, and it's just like every other <laughs> shot we can get of it. We're going to establish a, you know, rule of thirds. No, that's not the rule of thirds. Third time's the charm, whatever, rule of threes motif of the firemen have to keep coming to the house. I kind of admire the ingenuity of that, even though it doesn't work. Like, I admire the attempt. Yeah, I do, too. Again, this goes back to the the sort of, um, uh, you know, local filmmaking that... uh, I don't know. I, I kind of give props to. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, just like the, any favor you can call in, any person that's willing to help, all hands on deck. Because there's not like, I don't know, it is sort of like, it's not gloating isn't the right word for it, but it, it's not showboating like, hey, look, we got the Rockford Fire Department. Yeah. But it, it is like, hey, there there's kind of a sense of community to help bump up the production value yeah. to a degree. Yeah, Every, everybody pulling together. Like, it just, it feels like small-town filmmaking, which is kind of cute. So, so okay, but, like, we've jumped forward to Christmas morning, and Lord knows Santa Karn has been trying to keep things delineated. But, but to go back to Christmas night, you know, <laughs> Grandpa has gone up there on the roof, and he's stomping around. The dads have got all of the presents laid out, all the millions of presents that these kids are getting. So there, many presents. There's a dispute between dads about where whose presents for whose kids will go where, and I'm just watching this like, what kid is watching this now and enjoying any of it? Also, also, this movie directly acknowledges that Santa isn't real, that the Santa gifts are being put out by the parents. Furthermore, oh yeah, Santa Claus is a character in this movie, but he doesn't get Cassandra any gifts. All all Santa oh. does, like Santa has a conversation with Grandpa, like on December twenty third or twenty fourth. Yeah, no, it's December twenty third when Grandpa has gotten the letter uh, from Cassandra saying, "I want a dog." He sets off to get her a dog. Like it's clear that's what he wants to do. He goes to the pet store and he gets some advice from Santa Claus on his way in. Like, oh, she wants a big dog. They're on aisle seven, and but. So Santa doesn't get any toys for anyone. All Santa does is is give Grandpa a little bit of advice on getting what his granddaughter wants, even though yeah. Grandpa is Wh- already... Which he wants is in aisle six. Yeah, which Grandpa could have just figured out if he spent, like, an extra two minutes at the store. So... Well, he, he hasn't even walked in the store yet. Like, come on, Santa, give him a little credit. Santa is... But that's the only thing Santa does. Sa- like, this movie says, Santa exists but he isn't the one bringing you toys he doesn't do anything except stand outside of a store ringing Uh, a bell truman you got to look at this a little deeper this has layers okay this is a movie that's supposed to initiate conversations between you and your kids oh i see they want the kids to ask the hard questions so that they are prepared for life it's sort of like the um it's sort of like the the workplace training movies where it's like you see a sketch of like uh, you know sexual harassment in the workplace and then it's like now pause and discuss with your team pause so it's like uh 
like Santa Karn comes on and goes like, oh, that sure was interesting. Well, why don't you pause the movie and talk to your kids about what they think about whether I'm real or not? <laughs> I mean, we're one step removed from that. I mean, we're, we're almost there. I wouldn't be surprised if there were deleted scenes with that in there. I've also watched uh, workplace anti-racism and anti-sexual harassment training films that have higher production values than this movie. Uh, <laughs> leave that for what it is. Uh, but so they they bring they bring in all the toys and then the you know the the wives are like oh, okay well we're gonna go to bed and the dads are like oh, okay we'll be right up after you and then they go up there and I guess they've they've got a, a moment to kill and they're looking at the foosball table and it's like well maybe we could play one game and then we cut to a seven and a half minute montage of the dads all drunken escapades they're they're all playing foosball and having a great time and they're having a war with nerf guns and they're having a great time and then they're they're all drinking like whiskey and vodka like straight out the bottle and singing drunken christmas carols and then and then uncle fat boy is shoving as many cookies as he can into his mouth and they're Mm, counting to see how many it can be and wait Hold on, uh, sorry. You mentioning Uncle Fat Boy just put me in mind of a scene we skipped over that yes. I had a huge question about. Yes, of course. Um, when this movie recognized, hey, it's called a dog for Christmas, yes. and we have zero dogs yes. in this movie. Yes, zero dogs. Let me write this scene where the family goes to the no. dog park without a dog. So, okay. So this is this is a little explain earlier. this to me. This is at about the one hour mark of a dog for Christmas when they they like contractually obligated. Like the streaming service was like, guys, come on, you got to put some dogs in here. <laughs> oh, wait, what about the dog sled team? That was one shot. We need more dogs. Um, so they Cassandra really wants to go to the dog park to look at the dogs because she wants a dog, and Uncle Fat Boy agrees to take her to the dog park. And so they're there, and it's just a whole lot of shots of dogs running around, kids playing with dogs. The camera crew just went to a dog park and was like, yo, do you want to be in a movie? Can we film you? Can we film your dog? They're there, and then they sit down on a, on a park bench next to a guy played by the director of this film, uh, Joel. Why do I keep forgetting his name? He's got three of them. Joel Paul Rees, uh, Re- Riesing. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. he pl- so he plays this guy who's sitting there, and he says, hey, he's and he's got a crutch, and it's like, hey, that's my girlfriend's dog over there, and can you get can you get him to come over here for me? Like, I'm calling to him, but you need to stand closer and call his name. And so Uncle Fatboy... Even though he just wants to sit on the bench and the little girl loves dogs and would happily go do it, it seems, I don't know, Uncle Fatboy gets up and reluctantly goes. And we didn't get an extended sequence of him just chasing this this dog around the yeah. dog park, oh, God. which is not good. I, I almost, I don't want to, yeah, he's just falling around, fat, fat boy fall down, like it's that stuff. I, I, but uh, I, and I don't give a shit about that. I was just confounded by the fact that they were at a dog park without a dog. Th- this like, that's... Also psychotic behavior. I don't think it's that psych. Like, when it's a child, like, this is more sad to me because it's like, well, for one thing, it's like, oh, Cassandra, nice to see you in a third scene now. I kind of thought you were going to be my window into this film. (laughs) Cassandra, by the way, like, the most likable character in the movie, she's like, she's just kind of like, she's as... She's as she gets the least amount of screen time. I, I'm sure if you gave her like two more scenes, she would be just as grating as anyone else in this movie. She see, I mean, she seems to me like a girl who just really loves dogs and is just kind of 
sincere about that and is as kind of, I think, put off by everyone in this movie as we, the viewers, are. <laughs> like, the, there's the scene of her at her dad's Christmas party where she's just sitting there so bored and sad in a chair while one of her dad's co- co-workers sits and talks to her about stocks forever. And that, I really identified with her in that moment. But <laughs> she... The fact that she wants to go, like, she just, oh, she wants a dog so badly and her parents just refuse to get her one, so she's just going to go to the dog park and look at dogs. Um, it It is, it is uh, a, a little heartbreaking. Uh, all, all I want to say. <laughs> a little bit. All I want to say about Uncle Fatboy chasing the dog around, it's just, a, it's bad. It's bad. But there are two different scenes where he full on face plants onto the ground or onto a picnic table face planting into the snow, snow all over his face. And it's like, there's no, there's not stunt people. There's not cushions on the ground. This actor is fully yeah. just throwing himself face down into the snow for this movie. That is act- like, God bless you for. I, listen, don't, I'm not, don't do that. Don't do that. I, I, I'm crediting the actor. I think that the way that. No, I know you are. I know demeaning. your heart's in the right place. I've been him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, positive reinforcement is not good. In this case, I think very good point. You you can you can laud the the like, hey, you want to be an actor? You're out there doing stuff. I mean, this guy is a, a recurring actor in a lot of these directors' movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working. He's doing a damn thing. He's even carved a niche out for himself. But like, you don't have to do this. True. True. <laughs> you know. Okay. It, yeah. It, you don't. There are other ways to act in a movie without shoving a thousand cookies in your mouth. That is true. That is true. Which is gross. I, Which, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm mostly talking to younger me at this point, but uh, yeah, I, I just think positive reinforcement of this on any level, even of the people who decide to, to play the, the roles. Uh, not, not great. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair point on that. Um, well, look, are you ready for are you ready for Christmas morning live from Rockford, Michigan as Santa Carmen? God, I am. It? Yes, let's get I'm I'm yes, I am. OK, I, I, just like I am with every Christmas itself. I'm very quickly losing patience with this movie. Uh, they so, yeah, we we open on Christmas morning and, you know, the well, well, Santa Claus introducing Christmas morning, but before he before he gets to that, he says, you know, no one ever asks me what I want for Christmas. You know what I'd like for Christmas is for all of you to donate more to charity and spend less time on on consumerism, which is like, well, thank you for that, Santa. That's a good message. Um, but yeah, the kids all realize it's Christmas and wake up and run downstairs to start playing with the toys. All the dads are super hungover and they want to keep uh, sleeping, but fortunately they've got screeching, hectoring wives to nag them into spending time with the children who they produced. Um, so they, yeah, they get up, they discover Grandpa on the roof, that's a whole thing, uh, and Grandpa is removed from the roof by the fire department. So at this point, we are, we are like, we are eight minutes left in the movie, and there is still no dog. Like, all the presents have been handed out, there's been some, some bits about, like, the wives insisting on doing the drawing for Secret Santa next year and and the wives complaining that the gifts are too big. Great. Awesome. Then Grandpa, who is in the recliner chair once more talking to Cassandra and seemingly fine, despite the fact that he's an 80 year old man who spent the night on a rooftop in sub-zero <laughs> temperatures. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, spry and fit as a fiddle. Uh, he, you know, Cassandra's kind of down <laughs> in the dumps. And she says, well, you know, what's wrong, Cassandra? It's like, well, I was good all year, but the thing that I really wanted was a dog and I didn't get one. And he says, well, I 
I don't know. I mean, that's too bad. Maybe next year. Unless, wait, did you hear that from the basement? I sounded kind of like a, kind of like a barking and scraping sound. And she goes running over and we then get shots of all the parents react as here. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's a dog. It's a dog. And Cassandra comes running up out of the basement with a husky on a leash. We first see the dog on screen. At 1 hour, 23 minutes, and 40 seconds into the 89-minute runtime of A Dog for Christmas. And I don't even know how to respond to that. And we're going to talk about... There's a lot to unpack in this. The dog... So it's the okay. shot of her right. running out of the basement door with the dog on a leash. The dog is very excited. And then she runs... What kind runs, of dog is it? It's, it's a husky. Uh, uh-huh. and, and she, it looks to be young, like, I don't know, like not a fully grown one. So yeah, I'd say maybe about nine months at most. It's it. Yeah. So, uh, and the Husky, that is I, wonderful dogs, adorable, very cute, very good natured, a lot of energy, a lot of energy. <laughs> Any animal under a year old has a lot of energy. Let me tell you, I have one eye. Yeah, true, true. Yes, the husky sustains that energy for a long time, and the husky is also very smart and likes to think of ways to escape. But, so, like, runs the dog into the living room, all the kids descend on it and start petting it. That is the extent of seeing the dog. That is all we see of the dog. The dog in this movie is on screen for less than ten seconds before it is surrounded by children. It, I mean, it didn't fail to deliver its title, though. It did. It, it did give us a dog on Christmas. It it did. For Christmas. It, it did. You can't, you, it, the movie does what it says on the tin. It just, you have to get to the absolute bottom of the tin to find what it says. <laughs> it's like, what was it, uh, Mickey Spillane, when he used to write his pulp novels. Uh, I think it, there's this, this myth, I don't know if it was true or not, but he was talking to a publisher who, uh, was trying to offer uh, offer him a certain amount of money for a story, and uh, he's like, I'll tell you what, I'll sell you the entire story except for the last word for $1, but that last word is going to cost you $15,000. <laughs> and the, he, he like packed the meaning of the book into the very last word. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but it's a story I've always enjoyed because uh, he was a gruff uh, and fun little fellow. And Maybe he was grandpa in this movie. <laughs> hey, hey, but he loves his family, and that's what's important. <laughs> he, he he wrote that book while trapped on the roof. Um, <laughs> so first off, grandpa gets the letter saying, I want a dog for Christmas, and goes to the pet shop on December 22nd or December 23rd. Yes. I think it's December 23rd because it's the same day that uh, dad swaps Santa costumes with Santa. Okay. Okay. Also, what is Santa wearing? He has to take all his clothes off to go to the bathroom. Just like, you know, that's (laughs) That's just a thing. This movie's psychotic. I forgot. Santa's weird like that. I also love, I'm sorry. I also love that this movie makes canonical that Santa goes to the bathroom. Like, yes, Santa poops. (laughs) Dad fucks, Santa poops. (laughs) I mean, when he pisses, it is glitter that comes out. But <laughs> yes, exactly. That's <laughs> why he has to take all his clothes off. He's gonna get glitter all over them. <laughs> he shits the sugar cookies whole. Okay, that, that, which then recontextualizes the scene of Uncle Fat Boy shoving all of them into his face. <laughs> that's why. That's why Brandon had to go to the hospital. Guys, I'm sorry, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my oh, god! Oh, what have we done? Oh, what have what we, have we done? What have we done? So, but look, December twenty third. Let's say. Uh, Grandpa goes to the pet store to get the dog. Christmas, most years, is on December 25th, because that's when Christ was born. So, 
Where was the dog between grandpa buying that? Was the dog just in the basement for like two days? This, this, uh-huh. this like puppy, this sentient creature, it just in the, isolated in the basement. Was grandpa down there with the dog the whole time? How did no one else went in the basement and found the dog? Don't you know, Truman, that uh, animals don't exist until you give them as gifts? Oh, I see. So (laughs) you could just put that puppy in the basement and it's not going to – it's Schrodinger's uh, dog for Christmas. It doesn't actually exist until you open the door to the basement. uh, Yeah, they're like like dry goods, basically. Like it's not a dog until you add (laughs) – you just add water and then you've got a dog and it smells bad. Exactly. Um. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned giving animals as gifts, because then that takes us into, like, look, this is a psychotic movie, folks. This movie is psychotic from beginning to end, but it gets, it gets most psychotic at the end, I have to say, because, like, giving animals as surprise gifts is bad, and you shouldn't do it. It's, it is cruel to, like, yes, uh, I 100% agree with this. a, A pet is a responsibility and it's one thing if you want to surprise your kid with a pet but like don't just like give a pet to a person with them not knowing they have to take care of this thing it's awful it is bad for the animal it's bad for everybody and so as someone who chose to adopt uh a beautiful kitty who is getting into the trash as i'm speaking oh boy uh it is a massive lifestyle change yes you can't just spring on someone and and, and so the the parents come out and are and are saying like, "Dad, what did you what did you do? You can't just give her a dog without our permission." <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the only time I'm on board with the dad in this movie. The, the parents are just suddenly the voice of cl- purity and clarity and reason. This is this is a huge responsibility. It's, it's you almost like they broke the fourth wall. It's like. Hold on, hold on. I thought we were doing a movie here. You can't actually get a dog for Christmas. This is for real. We have to take care of this thing now. Yeah, yeah. Like, the the, the actors are going like, wait, wait, wait. We cannot let this go unanswered. This is sending bad messages to people. But, <laughs> yeah, like, this is this is a major fan. This direct quotes. This is a major family decision, Dad. A dog is a lot of work. And also, a husky, one of the most difficult and labor-intensive dogs. Like, you think your cat is driving you up the wall. At least she's not the size of a husky or shedding the amount that a husky does. And, well, true. And Grandpa says, oh, nonsense. You always over-dramatize everything. And then we get a just a cutaway uh, or to, to just the, the exterior of the house and the camera pulling away from the house down the driveway. And we just hear all of the, like, the dog barking and crashing and things smashing and getting destroyed and the children laughing and, like, mom going, oh, my China. So, the... <laughs> They're not keeping this dog. Exactly. This is, this is, this is the tragic story that you were alluding to of why you don't do it. Because they are 100% returning this dog the next day. Exactly. This dog is going right back to that pet shop, back to aisle six. This dog is going to have lasting trauma from the event. Their daughter is going to have lasting trauma from the event. Don't think their relationship with Grandpa is going to be great after this either. Not that it... I mean, they're, they already <laughs> left him on the roof overnight. I mean, it's already in a yeah, pretty bad right. state. But, like, th- this... But it also... It just... 
this movie this movie said this movie implies that the nice quiet well-behaved girl getting the thing she's always wanted is an utter disaster for everyone like the the dog for christmas that we've been waiting the whole movie to see is greeted with revulsion (laughs) and anger and and is very clearly ruining the parents lives Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) The the movie ends with the parents in a state of understandable fury at Grandpa for doing this and him basically flipping them the bird. And also, also, this family, this is this whole movie has been just a depiction of a family in crisis. Like the the relationship between mom and dad is not great. Like there's clearly issues. The daughter clearly wants a dog to bring some kind of stability and unconditional love to her life. And it's clear that the dog is just the the straw that is going to shatter this camel's back. You know what? Maybe that maybe the grandpa knows what he's doing. He's like, this is the only way to shake them from their complacency. That's it, the, the, you're saying this is this is this is grandpa jigsaw, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to get a dog? Yes. <laughs> So I, I paused the movie for like like 15 minutes of just furious note taking about the dark and, and disturbing implications of this ending. And then I realized that, oh, that we get Santa giving a wrap up. So we go back to Santa outside the house and he says, well, there you have it. And ex- explains that, well, now the parents didn't want the dog at first. Over the years, they came to love him and it made their home so happy and uh, and it, it brought him so much joy in the years to come. And it's like, OK, Santa Karn, sure, sure. <laughs> I, I, then you just hear some, just some in the background over the voiceover, just some. <laughs> what is that, is that the, the the drinking that we're hearing? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. The dad drinking himself into a stupor before he takes the dog to the happy. Well, I, was, farm. No, I was thinking, I was thinking Santa Carn. Oh well, yes. That's you know that's that's uh... chasing down that that hot dog with some whiskey <laughs> straight from the bottle yeah exactly he it's, it's all the backwash left in it from when the dad's had their go at it um <laughs> but then he also says well and after that christmas dad swore he'd never have the family back but they came back year after year after year and is the you know he talks he alludes to a couple other stories about dad and then he goes and as the years went by the family grew as we gained ma- new medicines and lost an older one and it's like <laughs> so the mo- like if there's any children still watching the movie at this point which i sincerely doubt any any kid who held go, out go to <laughs> this is all about those layers again this is about getting kids to appreciate their grandparents while they're still here <laughs> it's like well look i mean it, it's getting kids to appreciate their grandparents and it's getting parents to realize that their parents do not always have their best interests at heart when it comes to raising the the, the grandkids <laughs> But but just like yeah yeah kids remember the kindly old man who gave the girl the dog for Christmas well he died he died the old people are gonna die <laughs> this movie this movie oh has death in it um yes I, I, yes so yeah so the the movie basically ends with I think he says one more time and from Rockford Michigan this is Santa Claus Merry Christmas everybody so I guess also <laughs> Santa Claus canonically poops and he canonically lives in suburban Detroit can you confirm this. <laughs> Uh, um yeah i i concur yeah Elf gavels out <laughs> yeah okay well there, there you go it's good to have a regular santa um oh i mean i'm sorry we, we didn't even i i'm sorry i'm sorry we're right at the end of the movie i do i do just want to also acknowledge they have a british neighbor 
who is very crotchety. Oh my god, we didn't talk about him at all. We didn't talk about the British. I, I have one note about him. Yes. is in that he, as I, I described him earlier, he's the the old guy who lives next door to the McAllisters, but he has the kind of uh, snootiness of Julia Louis Dreyfus from um, Christmas Vacation. Yes, uh, where he's always being pranked and put out by the kids of uh, uh, the Madison House. Yeah. My one note is I think I identify most with him because he's just trying <laughs> he wants to, to lead a book. peaceful, quiet life reading 1776 by David McCall. <laughs> I mean, I, I had the most concern for him. Sir. Like, he, he look, he's he seems to be a bit overly bent out of shape. Like, he's just even... Even when just the families are arriving, he is like yelling at at. But he knows. He knows what that means. They come year after year. He he gets a fucking uh, snowball through his windshield. Kids <laughs> pour water on his steps and turn it to ice so that he would fall. Like he knows what's coming. I guess, There's a reason he's surly. I guess that's true. At first, it seems like why are you just yelling at this guy because he had a bunch of noisy family members walk through his front yard? Chill, British old man who inexplicably lives next door. But yeah, then as I guess as it goes on and you see that these. It's not even really intentionally that these kids make his life a living hell. Like, it seems like the, the snowball through the window is an accident, and he is just put into a fit of rage by this. Also, because also, the water, the, the kids dump all this water on Dad's doorstep, not on Mr. British Neighbor's oh, doorstep. Yeah, well, all right, but all right. But then, when Mr., like, after the snowball through the window, Mr. British Neighbor goes to, to you know, knocks on the door, somehow not stepping on the doorstep, and, you know, dad answers the door and, and the British guy goes, oh, put up your dukes like he wants to fight him. But then he immediately <laughs> slips on the ice and falls flat on his ass. And dad just goes, Chia, what are you Brits going to learn to leave us Americans alone? And sh- <laughs> to not mess with America, to not mess with America. Sorry. Big. That is why it yeah. does have big 2005 energy. But then he shuts. You know who else ap- appreciates America? Gunderson Life Celebration <laughs> Center. <laughs> I, I mean, that, <laughs> they have uh, the flag permanently at half mass. <laughs> Gunderson's family celebration centers is here to celebrate the death of the American empire. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm more than anything. I'm worried about Mr. British neighbor. Like that's a bad slip and fall on the ice. And yes, dad. And we don't see him again after no, that. I think he dies. I think that they literally step <laughs> over his dead body to rescue grandpa at the end. <laughs> Santa Karn doesn't give us any updates about the British neighbor. <laughs> the Rockford Fire Department's just going around on Christmas Eve as a community service, <laughs> prying up old dead folks off of front porches like they're roadkill. <laughs> no, no need, dear God, no need to notify next of kin. This is clearly a cranky British neighbor. We can just throw <laughs> chuck this one straight into the river. Oh my God! They deliver him directly to Gunderson Life Celebration Center. Oh wow! That, that, All right, I'm done but with that's, that. But that's so amazing. They've got such a tastefully set up spotlight over his copy of 1776 by David McCullough. <laughs> oh, just like I remember from when he was alive. Thank you, Gunderson. This, this the bookmark he used. <laughs> this is a CVS receipt bookmark that he used. No, oh my God! No, this British um, neighbor does not have a CVS receipt bookmark. He has like a velvet 
bookmark that has was like signed by the king or something. I no 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 no. At that age, you're definitely going to CVS because they have the cheap pharmacies. I mean, he, yeah, he's going to CVS, but he is marking his books with a lock of Princess Diana's hair because that's how much he respects Britain. God, okay. Actually, no, wait. Um, it's no, it's it's actually a lock of uh, Camilla Parker Bowles' hair because he actually hates Princess Diana because she made the royals seem too uh, relatable. She wasn't frosty enough. Is there anything else from this movie that we didn't cover that you need to? I, I, I mean, I'm probably going to remember something later, and I'm just going to insist that we record a supplemental podcast. I, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Th- look, folks, a, a bad movie and also a very difficult movie to find. Like, it was hard. Like, if you Google for it, you're going to get links to a lot of s- different movies with very similar titles. Uh, Like, the... Like we very, I very nearly signed up for a f- seven day free trial of a fifty four dollar a month <laughs> streaming service that mainly specializes in live so sports. So glad I stopped you. That inexplicably also has a dog for Christmas. Like you can get all the MLB games live and also <laughs> a dog for Christmas if you subscribe to whatever the hell service I almost signed up for. <laughs> With the things we do for this podcast, I, the things we do for this movie. But but if it is it is truly hidden, and I don't know if it's a gem. But it's a hidden agate, and 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 if you, I don't know, if you have some drugs at the house, I don't know, maybe watch the movie, but probably don't. There's also a lot of really off-the-chain sexism and low-key racism in it, so I'm not endorsing oh, it or anything. God. Yeah, likewise. Um, okay, I think we should end this episode. We're at the two-hour mark. And your cat uh, is destroying your garbage, and your Yeah, she's hungry. I gotta go feed her. Yeah, you're um, watching your world get destroyed. Okay. So, uh, I think next time, okay, so we might take a, a, a month, a month, a week off here. We uh, we're will. trying to figure out some scheduling stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think I, I have some bonus episodes from the past that I can republish. So, uh, I'm going to try to fill the time with something. Yeah. But when we come back, I think it's time we cover another dog movie. <gasps> I'm so ready. <laughs> Perhaps a... Uh, not a husky. I'm thinking of something a little more with longer hair, maybe. Uh, like so, not a Velma dog or a Daphne dog. No. no. Or a Fred dog. No. 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 Not Fred. No. Perhaps a. Perhaps a Scrappy dog. No. Um. No. Definitely not a Scooby dog. Although, if you want to watch Scooby Doo instead, I'd be happy to do that. No, I. I don't. Not. Not a. Not a. Uh, not not a guest stars the monkeys dog, or a guest stars the Harlem Globetrotters dog. I know a lot of guest no. stars from Scooby Doo. Would would the dog be Shaggy? This dog that we're going to talk about. I think I think that would be the best kind of dog to cover a Shaggy dog. Y- you know I think that's perfect because this movie I spent the entire movie wanting to see a dog, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to spend the entirety of the Shaggy dog not wanting to see a dog if if the CGI is as creepy as as I've been led to believe. Between now and then, I'm going to brush up on my lycanthropy, uh, just so that I could talk about human to animal transformations. I, I'm excited, man. You know, I saw a shaggy dog drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's, and his hair <laughs> was perfect. <laughs> All right, Bila is in the trash entirely, She's so I got to get going. Okay. Um, if you hold on, I'm away from the microphone. What is she having? Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Uh, if you want to help us do you say more shows like this, 
If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us continue to do the show and transition into the next show, uh, which we will announce very soon, you can do so over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where for as little as $1, you can be uh, you can get access to our entire archive of Gruntwork Nights episodes. That's over 250 episodes for you to take a gander at. Yeah. Jesus Christ. An archive she set her for down Christmas. She goes right back in the trash. Wow. She loves garbage. Oh, my God. She is so hungry. What's her favorite um, grunge-adjacent band from the 90s? Could it be Garbage? <laughs> they're from Madison. Oh. Uh, leave Madison's us a rating review on Apple Podcasts for or, wherever, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> um or say hi to us on uh, Instagram at GruntworkPod or leave us an email at GruntworkPodcast at gmail.com or you can visit our website to listen to this episode, get more show notes, or listen to any of our episodes. Uh, And that website is... (laughs) www.gruntworkpodcast.com And until next time, when we we bring you some shaggy dog... Yeah. I've been Lana Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, be sure to spay and neuter your Christmas pets. Squirrel! Say